fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Wolf Pack. I realize I'm actually probably talking to two Wolf Packs now, both full of alphas. That's because my man Mike Lou has joining the fantasy fullback dive for the first time uh, in history. I'm so pumped to have him on as I get ready to traverse the old dynasty waters here. There's not a mind I could not be more thrilled to pick here than Mike. Every time we interact on Twitter, I always feel significantly smarter. It's written for some big dynasty sites like dynastynerds.com, dynastyleaguefootball.com. He's currently crushing content over for the surging Big Dog Gotta Eat fantasy brand, where he's one half of the great YouTube show, Bunk Bed Breakdowns. Mike, thanks so much for joining me, man. How's it going tonight? Going good, yo. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's good to chop it up with you. I mean, we've had very good interactions. I think I first I first learned about you when uh, Scott Barrett, I think, tweeted about you, and I started looking at some of your stuff. Like, yo, this guy, you know, kind of knows what he's doing. It seems like we think about players very similarly. So it's always good to kind of chop it up uh, with with other, you know, more analytically framed uh, framed minds. Absolutely, man. Yeah, that, that was a big moment. A lot of people ended up finding me that one. So cheers to Scott. But yeah, it's gotten me opened up to a lot of that's how it kind of got interacting with you. And we've just had some great back and forth. So I'm just thrilled to be able to, to chat in, in per- well, kind of in person over the air, at least. So we're going yeah. back and forth here. Uh, so I'm thrilled for it, man. Um, but as I was, I was kind of previewing with you in the DMs and everything, I'm brand new to Dynasty. I don't even know if my followers really know that. So it's kind of a confession off my chest here. I've never really played it, but we're getting the first RSJ Dynasty startup league going. Uh, and I just, I cannot wait to get going. And ever since I found you, especially, you know, your rankings over on Patreon, you can find those over at patreon.com slash rpack. I've just found you to be one of the more enlightening yet still accessible guys. You're chatting with your Discord all day. Like, you, you crush it, man. You crush it for your people and your content's just so clean and clear to follow. Uh, so I'm excited just to selfishly pick your brain here and, and dig in. You ready to go? Yeah, I appreciate that. Let's get it. Absolutely, man. And I just want to start, like, as I was saying, again, I'm new, but I feel like once I start Dynasty, it's going to be one of those kind of like, why haven't I been doing this my whole entire life? Like, this is the way to do fantasy football. Is yeah. that kind of how you feel about Dynasty compared to Redraft? What do you think is like the big advantages to it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, look, I think about it this way. Like redraft, you make a mistake, right? It hurts you for one season. Dynasty, you make a mistake. Uh, it kind of like hurts you forever, right? You got to like try and come back uh, from that. So, you know, it's really tough uh, to like, if you have made compounded mistakes, especially if you're just new to Dynasty. Like I just started playing three years ago and, you know, some of my first leagues, like I realized what the mistakes I made back then. And it takes you like a couple of years to really climb back out. But if you're that type of person that really appreciates the challenge, it's really good. But also, if you know what you're doing, like the mistakes compound, but so do the benefits. Yeah. So if you're crushing a league, like, you know, people post a lot of leagues on Twitter and, you know, you get a lot of the trolls that go in and they, what is that, like a five man league? What is that, the 10 man <laughs> league? And it's like, no, they just don't, they just can't comprehend you getting that many good players. But, you know, it's built over time, over two to three years and just getting in and out at the right time. So I think for someone like you, that kind of treats fantasy kind of like a financial market like I do, 
you know, that it's a really beneficial for players like us because we understand how to get the compounding effects. And, you know, that's really how you build like monsters. Like I, I'll show you, I can show you some of my teams. And when you look at them, it's like, how the fuck did he build that? And it's just like, <laughs> it's over two to three years of just nonstop trading and, and drafting well and, and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it's really, really rewarding when you build teams in dynasty and I've not gone back to redraft. Like the only redraft I play is with my home league and that's it. Yeah. I love it, man. And as you said that, like, I remember I was watching a video. I think you just posted a couple days ago on the, the bunk bed breakdowns of one of those teams. Just like, how the fuck did this happen? I mean, it was Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson in a super flex with AJ Brown, DJ Moore, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, like Michael Tom. I mean, like literally five of the top like eight receivers probably in Dynasty. And, and oh, let's mix in Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley. It's one of those things just like and I even met you. I was like, is this 10 team? You're like, no, man, I only do 12 and 14. Like this is this is it. So that's what got me excited. Like, I can build something like this. You can't really do that in a redraft yeah, league. Never. But if you get ahead of the curve, like that team's gonna dominate for years. Like for it just seems like that team will never your leadmates must hate you. Like, how am I ever <laughs> yeah. gonna beat something like that? Oh man. I can't wait. I'm just so excited to dig in. And Wolfpack, if you don't mind giving this, whether you're catching the the restream or you're live here with us, the thumbs up helps us get out to more people. And of course, subscriptions always help us continue to grow the pack. And we greatly, greatly appreciate that. So that explains really clearly, you know, why Dynasty makes sense. The question now becomes, what is the big mindset shifts? Like, obviously, of course, it's longer term versus shorter term. Like, you mm-hmm. got to think bigger picture. But what does that actually look like in action? What are some strategies you think our, our newcomers or even just, you know, veterans of Dynasty need to make sure they're embracing here? Yeah, I think, you know, most people that come to Dynasty, they just they kind of play it like redraft, right? They're like, hey, I'll draft this like team and, and I'll, I'll win right now. And I'm pretty much the exact opposite of that. Uh, you know, people talk about delayed gratification. I think there's no greater benefit than in the Dynasty space where I do a lot of teams where I have a productive struggle. And what that means is I don't really intend to win year one. Uh, I'll come out of the startup uh, knowing that I'm going to lose. In fact, I'm, I'm targeting losing. Uh, that year so that I can get a better pick next year. That's a beautiful thing about Dynasty, right? It's like even when you're losing, you're winning because you're getting a higher rookie pick and you're getting first uh, earlier pick of the of the next fresh crop. And the only way to improve your team is through rookie picks. So I think undervaluing rookie picks is what, you know, new Dynasty gamers always do. And and, it, and it's like, it, that's the easiest money for me. I just sit back and I'm like, oh, you don't value rookie picks? Here, I'll trade you. Trade up. You know, take take that stud in the first round. Take that stud in the second round. And, you know, you'll, you'll only realize your mistake. But by the time you realize your mistake, it'll be too late because I'll have three or four rookie picks. And when you try and get it back from me, I'm going to buy. I'm gonna, you're going to have to pay like half. You're going to have to pay like three, two, three X what I paid to get that pick back. So, you know, delayed gratification is a really, is really um, you know, practical mindset that is very hard for people to overcome. And I know because I've been there in the year one, I'm like, yo, I'm going to build this dominant team. I'm going to win and I'm going to win multiple times. But really the most successful teams I've had is ones where I've said, okay, I'm going to let other people fight for year one, but I'm going to be by myself fighting for year two, three, four. Um, So that's the biggest shift in mindset that I've had. Love it. Yeah. Delayed gratification, that keyword and something I am not good at in general in life. So I'm going to really need to keep embracing that one as I uh, start mm-hmm. getting into this dynasty. I'm totally the owner that would go right in and be like, all right, let me make this juggernaut year one. But I, the, the way I've seen some of your teams, I'm so helpful, like thankful I found you. Because again, that team I just spouted off, like that doesn't happen unless you embrace that type of productive no, struggle, that type of not. rebuild. Uh, and that's fantastic. So that, that's great to uh, know one type of mindset to shift what about in terms of dynasty 
versus redraft, like the way you evaluate talent and ranking, like mm -hmm. how did that shift, if at all, for you? Yeah, so this is where it's super interesting, right? In redraft, you only care about one thing, how much that player scores that year, right? That's the only factor you care about. So you can draft old guys, you can draft, you know, the Julio Jones early and stuff like that. But in Dynasty, there's multiple factors that come into play. And I think, you know, production is one piece of it, but arguably not even the biggest, right? There's age that comes into it. There's just general market perception, like the hype that builds. You, like, you know, once you get into like a Twitter hive, hive mind and everyone starts tweeting the same shit, like you can see that player rise in ranks like one, two, three rounds over the course of two months. And it's crazy. And it has nothing to do with production. It has nothing to do with anything. So understanding those multiple factors, like when I build my ranks, it's not just about what I project a player can do. First of all, I don't do projections, uh, but it, it's also about where I'm trying to project where that player's value is going to be. So in my rankings, I'm trying to project value. So I want to be ahead of the curve on value. That's why you'll see me rank, you know, rookie running backs a lot earlier than other people. You know, you'll see me rank first year produ productive wide receivers a lot higher than other people um, because I'm trying to stay a little bit ahead of the curve because that's how I make trades. And when I make those trades in the moment, it seems like, you know, it's a fair trade or even I might be losing that trade in the moment. But then you look back like a year down the line, you're like, holy shit, how the hell did Mike get that trade? And yeah. it's because you, you play the timing the right way. So it's not just about forecasting, you know, talent evaluation. I think, I think talent evaluation is a, this might sound stupid and counterintuitive to people, but it's a very small portion of dynasty. And I think most people spend an over, like overspend their time focus on talent evaluation when realistically i mean you got draft capital that that's basically the nfl telling you what the talent evaluation is you got you know other film guys you got analytics and numbers that really help you uh, dive into talent when paired with draft capital so there's a lot of factors you can use there uh and i i personally don't even spend that much time on talent evaluation if i'm being real what i spend the most time on is i try to understand one, what the macroeconomic economy is like. What are the trends? What are the players that are hot? What are the players I think will be hot one or two, 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 like, you know, a couple months from now? I try and get in on those players early, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm, and then I'm trying to study the microeconomics of my own leagues. I'm trying to understand, you know, what my league mates do. Do they use fantasy pros? Do they use DLF? Do they use, yeah. you know, try, do they use trade calculators? Do they use, and I take notes on all my, on my teammates and league mates, especially, especially ones that I play with multiple times. I have a notebook and I'll just jot it down. Like, hey, this guy uses trade calculators. This guy overvalues quarterbacks. This guy overvalues wide receivers. And I'll, I'll draw back on that pool of knowledge and I'll go back. And when I'm making trades, I'll be like, hey, this guy uses DTC. Let me try and construct a trade in DTC that's favorable to him that I like for myself and see if that flies. So, you know, it's a lot of game theory. I, yeah. I think I think game theory is the key to dynasty success. Everyone focusing on rookie evaluation, like, it doesn't matter at the end of the day because if if you focus on the game theory aspect and just take in the inputs for the evaluation side i think you'll be a much more successful player i think people spend probably 80 20 eval to game theory probably even less probably like 90 10 if i'm being yeah. real some people spend zero time so uh but what you sh it should be flipped the other way around i spend like 80 percent of my time <laughs> on game theory and just like draft strategy and all that stuff uh and then i probably spend like 20 percent of my time actually evaluating players that's that's incredible. I mean that, and that's why we're starting this interview with more so the the theories, the mindsets, the strategy. Uh, instead of evaluating talent, you got to evaluate your league mates, the sites they might use. Like that's 
that's just like the in-depth moves that you're saying that most people are focused solely on these players. And we'll dive, dive into them. I know people watching here are like, yeah, we want to know who Mike loves in Dynasty. Of course, we're going to get into those guys. Mm-hmm. But still, it, it's that much more important to be thinking about these mindsets and what your league is doing uh, and how you can get ahead of that curve so that yep. you're creating these juggernauts. So that, that, It's almost like the talent will fall into your lap. There's so many other talented people better than me, better than, like as you're saying, probably better than you that just see the game, see the players better. Let me read their reports and let me spend that extra time studying my league, seeing what they're going to do um, and getting ahead of them before they even know that I'm doing that. I love yep. it. That's fantastic. I can't, I, the more and more we're just talking already, I'm just like, I, Dynasty is going to be the best. Like, yeah, I you're going to love wait. it. You're, you're never going to go back. You're never going to go back. Like, I don't even do redraft anymore. And like, <laughs> to me, I'm just like, that's my life. Like, I love fantasy football. Like, that's all I, I eat and breathe. And that, I just know like, by the end of this, I'm going to be like, all right, never going back to redraft. <laughs> like, this, is, this is awesome. Um, fantastic, man. Well, the last couple two like overarching, just general dynasty questions I have for you are, what are some crucial dynasty pitfalls? You've already hinted at a few of them, but yeah. whether you want to reiterate those or you have some other ones to look out for, what are some dynasty pitfalls you see owners falling into? Yeah, I'll give you a couple, and this is not just for managers, but just finding the right league is so key, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you hear it all the time, like dynasty leagues don't last forever. Like the, the average lifespan of a dynasty league is like 1.5 years, something like that before it folds. And the reason why is because like everyone's doing these startups and they realize their team sucks and they bail, right? So yeah. the, the key is you got to you gotta try and do your research and hopefully join a league with a good commissioner. I think what I found over time is a, a bad commissioner kills a league. Nothing kills a league faster than a bad commissioner. So, you know, try and find a good commissioner and you can use resources like, you know, the footballers forum. That's where I started, uh, you know, because if you get a bad rep, like people aren't going to let you join the leagues anymore. Um, and then, you know, join Twitter communities. You can join the Big Dogs Patreon. We start leagues. Uh, same with my Wolfpack Patreon. We have um, we have people starting up leagues there. And, you know, the key is like try and join a league from a community versus just like hopping in a random shitty league because you're going to get like orphans all over the place. And that's the worst, the worst feeling. Um, but in terms of actually playing the game, like I said, do not undervalue rookie picks uh, because I think most people, you know, most people come into Dynasty and in, in startups and they see like, they see a CMC on the board. They see a Jonathan Taylor on the board. And they're like, yeah, I'll give up a future rookie pick. I don't even know that rookie's name. Um, and I'll give that up to move up, you know, five spots to draft my guy. And that is the most common mistake that I see people make. Um, and, and they undervalue it. And then only a year later, they realize like, holy shit, like now I have no way to improve my team. I lost a championship because I'm old everywhere and now I'm screwed. So that's one thing. And then two kind of pairs with that, but like, value flexibility like the, the my my mantra when it comes to drafting is i value flexibility above everything else and what does that mean in practice it means that early on in the startup draft in rounds one to four i don't draft anyone that's old i don't i don't care like if they're the best tight end i don't care if it's travis kelsey i don't care if it's uh i don't care if it's like dalvin cook like i don't draft old players because once you draft that old player you have to go try and win now. Right? You have no more flexibility. Yeah. So you have to go all in on that year. And I hate that. So what I tend to do is I draft, you know, maybe a young quarterback, young running backs like a Jonathan Taylor, right? I'll draft, you know, wide receivers a lot as well um, to keep my team young. So I try and I try and stick to like almost under 25. Like I you'll rarely find me drafting someone above the age of 25 uh in the first, you know, first three to four rounds, unless it's a tight end or a quarterback just because they have longer lifespan uh, because I want to maintain the flexibility. I don't want to decide if I'm going all in or productive struggle or rebuilding within the first three rounds. I want to keep my options open. And I think most people trap themselves by either 
going all in or all out immediately. And then you're forced to like do these trades that you don't want to do. So those are the two pieces of advice. There's always, always value flexibility and just shout out to the goat, uh, Bruce, Bruce Lee here, but he's, you know, he always says like be water Yeah. that that's, that's like basically my mantra when it comes to dynasty, I'm always trying to be water and be flexible in the draft because that's really how you extract the most value from people that did not value flexibility. I love it, man. That's so insightful and so great to hear because someone who has like Travis Kelsey towards the top five of my redraft board, it's like, well, dynasty-wise, I mean, I, he's already making me a must-win now type of team. And that's keeping that flexibility, that shelf life of your team in mind the entire time is something I'm going to have to force myself to do uh, for sure. And I love the idea too of just finding a good league, but I love and, and respect how often you'll call out the people that might not be good league mates in dynasty leagues because like, screw <laughs> those people, you know, if you're going to yeah. sign up. Commit to it because it does screw everybody else up. If you draft a horrible team, and you're just like, peace out. No, I'm not going to pay the buy-in. I'm not. Yeah. I've seen those call-outs and I, I respect it. I like it. No one's safe when yeah. you got to have Mike looking around. So I love it. That's probably why we got some commenters and you're like, Mike the GOAT, giving those fire sides. You got, you know, oh no, two Wolfpack leaders <laughs> on the same pod. Love it, man. Yeah. The, the crowd's loving it. So awesome stuff. Well, I do want to now dive into kind of your Patreon, you, you, I just subscribed early this week to kind of study your stuff, get a little bit of a mindset and just been blown away uh, since I did just how much goodness is in there, especially the discord. Like I've never really used discord until recently this year. And your, your pack is always interacting, always chatting. It's fantastic. Um, and I'm at that, that highest level where you get all three, the dynasty, the Debbie and the cornerstone. Mm-hmm. And real quick for us, why don't you just define like, what are those? What do you mean? If there's like a beginner out there, similar to me, what does yeah. that mean? Uh, what, what does that mean? The different differences between those three things? Yeah. First of all, appreciate the support. Um, you know, thanks. I'm, I'm pretty thankful just building the community. Like I didn't expect to get this many people this fast, but everyone's super active and you know, it's a, unlike Twitter where it's super toxic, people, you know, have, have interesting debates, disagree with each other and somehow walk away friends. I know it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> how, but, yeah, but in terms of the rank, so the reason why I have it this way, so I have dynasty, the dynasty ranks is basically, it includes the incoming rookie class and the current NFL players. So mm-hmm. that's everyone you can have in your league, right? So the Debbie portion for those of you guys, if you're just getting the dynasty, you probably don't want to do this out the jump, but I bet you next year you're going to want to do this. And what it means is you can draft college players that are currently playing in college that'll sit on like a taxi squad on your team. And once they declare for the NFL, they roll into your NFL team. So the reason why that's really cool is because for someone like me that that just always looking for like that next degenerate thing to do. Now I can focus on college players and like the reward from scouting someone and hitting on like, you know, a second year or a freshman, right. That you drafted on your team when he was a freshman. And now he's declaring as a junior. Like, you know, imagine getting like a DK Metcalf or getting Jonathan Taylor or for myself, I, I drafted like signing day. almost, yeah, right? Like- I drafted, uh, I drafted Cam Akers and Justin Fields. Those are my first ever Debbie, uh, Debbie oh, draft no. picks. And then now, you know, I'm getting Justin Fields rolling into my roster. Last year I had Cam Akers rolling into my roster. So yeah. it's super cool because it allows, you to kind of like do that research and even if you don't play Devi, right even if you don't play Devi long term it's really good because it forces you to know which classes are good because Mm -hmm. then it tells you how to dominate or which rookie drafts picks to trade for before any of your league mates know so that's the three different ranking sets i have one is for dynasty which includes you know nfl and rookie 
One is for Devi, which includes like all the college players also as like a composite. So I have the Devi players ranked within the NFL players. And I think I haven't seen this done elsewhere, but the reason why I want to do this is because I wanted to offer users a, a way to think about how to trade in Devi. So if I want to trade like a college player, like what's that player worth, right? There aren't that many ranking sets out there that do that. And then yeah. Cornerstone is like, is just a, is a composite consisting of the current rookie class the prior rookie class and the next rookie class. And the reason why it's called cornerstone is because those are the pieces that you want to build your dynasty team around because they're still young, right? They're, they're productive and, the, and their value is going to carry and hold and probably increase over the next couple of years. So those are like the pieces that you hang on to. And even if you're in a rebuild, you're like, man, I'm going to build around these three or four guys uh, over the next three years. So that's how I kind of use those three different types of ranking sets. And then obviously each of them has like positional and, and whatever from there. Love it, man. Well, speaking of those cornerstones, who do you kind of consider? Uh, again, I don't want you're you're welcome to be like, no, I don't want to go that far behind the curtain because we know we got to get the people over to that Patreon to see it all. But if you want to give us like a example, like who do you consider? Maybe one per position or just a handful of mm -hmm. like guys that are these are cornerstones. These are the guys that you know can be anchors, even if you're in a rebuild, even if you're doing that productive struggle, you're not getting rid of this guy because he's going to be anchoring your team for years and years in the future. Who are a couple guys you consider that? Yeah. So, I mean, on the running back front, I mean, there's the obvious ones like there's Jonathan Taylor and yeah. DeAndre Swift, like very, very productive, very young running backs. The key is you're looking for early producers, right? And then the ones you typically want to build around if you're if you're rebuilding uh, in Superflex especially are, are quarterbacks or, or wide receivers. So you obviously have the Jamar Jefferson, right? Sorry, the Justin Jefferson, mm -hmm. uh, Jamar Chase, CD Lamb. Like these are these are like guys you want to build around because in two to three years, they might be the best wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, Justin Jefferson might be that next year. Who knows, right? Yeah. And then on the quarterback side, you know, obviously Justin Herbert is, is going to be a guy, a top, the top ranked cornerstone quarterback for me right now, at least. Um, and then I rank, you know, I like ranking rookie quarterbacks um, pretty highly. I think most people shy away from it because they don't have a high bust rate uh, and what have you. But I think, you know, I tend to value them more. I think they're probably safer than, than some veteran quarterbacks. Cause I mean, aside from like Patrick Mahomes and like Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott, like which one of these guys really have that much shelf life and longevity. I think it's a it's a mirage, right? Like, I mean, everyone's losing jobs elsewhere. So you might as well swing on the younger guy that has some rushing upside and also has a draft capital attached to his name. So that that's kind of a little bit of insight into what I think about when I think of cornerbacks is like the really young early producers. Absolutely. Yeah. And this and this class in particular seems pretty loaded of those types of guys. Uh, I mean, last year's class seemed more like a, a running back style class. Mm -hmm. 2020 just top to bottom had, had five, six guys that could be cornerstone running backs. To me, this this might be the cornerstone quarterback class because there's yeah. so many guys between Lance, between Fields that have that mobility, that rush upside. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, you know, the next Andrew Luck is what everybody's saying mm -hmm. with some mobility as well. Like it's this seems like the class to be going heavy on quarterback at cornerstones for sure. So so I love that one um, as well. It, before we get, I, I want to ask you about some rankings, but I actually missed a question here uh, where I, I asked you about the ideal league setting. So I want to mm -hmm. just make sure to circle back to that as we talked about like what these types of things are. Yep. What do you consider the ideal league settings for for Dynasty? Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm like I said, I'm a bit of a degenerate, so I like really fun scoring settings that aren't like vanilla. So you know, a lot of my leagues. Uh, first of all, you should you should try and play twelve teams or more if you're down for it. Fourteen teams are actually really fun. 
uh, because it really forces you into understanding yeah. like depth and building deep rosters, uh, which which you should be doing for Dynasty as a whole, but it, it really forces you to do that. But per, I think if you're just starting out, probably the ideal is 12 teams, uh, probably super flex because uh, one QB, one QB Dynasty is just not fun because the yeah. drafts are very vanilla. Super flex, super flex adds a lot of like strategy to it. So you should do super flex. And then I typically like to do PPR um, and, you know, Ideally, you want to try and do some sort of points per first down, but that's not really mainstream yet. And what the reason why is because that's like the actual value add in a real game. Like a PPR, if you catch a pass for like one yard, it really adds no value. Whereas like if you catch a pass for a first down, that's a very different how you should be rewarded. Um, and then I like to start with uh, two running backs, three wide receivers, uh, one quarterback, one super flex, one tight end and two to three flexes. I try to target about 10 to 11 starting roster because I think the deeper it is, the more fun it is. Um, and then no defense, no kickers. There's really no room for that in Dynasty. It just doesn't make any sense. If you want to play defense, go play IDP. Um, and then a, a really popular format that's coming up now is tight end premium. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so for example, you would have like every all your wide receivers and running backs get one point per reception, and then tight ends get like 1.5 or two points per reception. Uh, and the reason why people think they do it is because it makes tight end more relevant. But in reality, it just makes Kelsey Kittle and Waller more relevant and everyone else still sucks. So, uh, but that, that, those are some of the most popular formats that I've done. And I like to do uh snake draft still, uh, except I use like third round reversal, which means basically it goes like regular snake for first two rounds. And then the third round, it like flips that way. The 1.01 isn't as overpowered as it normally is. Um, but that's how I like to play. Uh, I know, I mean, everyone's up to your own preference, but if you're just starting out, I think those are pretty good, uh, pretty good settings to start with. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I like to, I mean, I, I like the similar types of settings for redraft too, because I think a lot of those ideas reward the right owners having a super flex. So you have mm -hmm. to have two quarterbacks. Suddenly that supply demand argument is mm -hmm. way different. I like the idea of two flexes because you have to have deeper rosters. Uh, to, to be able to fill those spots and it rewards the right owners in that sense. So I like that for redraft. I can only imagine that's like, like everything we're almost talking about extrapolated to the point, like once dynasty hits because the mistakes and the rewards compound over time mm -hmm. with that. Uh, I, I'm all about going deep like that. So I love it. And the first down, I, I don't know why that hasn't become commonplace like PPR. Cause I think that's a nice like balancer out yeah. for the, the guys like Nick Chubb and Derek Henry who might not catch Absolutely. a ton of balls, but are just workhorse churning and like real life wise are bringing so much value to their teams. I don't know why both redraft and dynasty wise, like that's not just a commonplace thing. Yeah. I think, It'll be one of those things in like five years where it's just like, why wasn't everybody playing points yeah. for first down? Uh, I think, so I, I think, I mean, it, yeah. it took, it took the dynasty, it took the fantasy world forever to go from like standard to PPR. So I think mm -hmm. changes just take forever. I mean, until ESPN and Yahoo and them make that change, like you're just not going right. to see much of it, but you're right. Like it's just, it's just a way better way to, I, I think uh, to actually measure the player's contribution. So you don't get guys like Naheem Hines who really are not that relevant in, in NFL uh, be becoming like actual relevant. Actually, I mean, he's still not relevant, but somewhat more relevant as a fantasy player. Where, whereas guys like Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry, like you said, two of the best running backs in the league, you know, they should get rewarded for what they're doing as well. Absolutely. One last question on the, the setup. Do you like leagues that have like expiring contracts or do you more so prefer like, you know, five years or the price goes up or whatever. So eventually these people enter the redraft pool again, or do you prefer like you have your startup, you lock in your teams, and then it's just about trading and rookies from that point on. Yeah, I, I mean, I just like I know people that do like contract leagues. Uh, I 
I'm, I've like played in like a couple. They're not as fun for me. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, you got to depend on what you want to do. But personally, I just like the typical draft because I think I've found, at least in my experience, that's where trading is most active. You know, people are, it's very easy to conceptualize trading picks for players. When you try and add like dollars and stuff, like not everyone's like in and they're more hesitant to like move and trade. So that's why I like the, the typical trading method. And it's easy for everyone else to understand. And, you know, it's easy to do values. And it's easy to discuss values as well. So I still like that type of format. I don't really play too many contracts or even auctions and stuff like that i i love the typical snake draft with third round reversal type of uh type of draft love it awesome uh well now diving back into those rankings again our uh patreon.com slash our pack great stuff over there uh why don't you give us a handful of guys like i know you said again it's less about player evaluation specifically and more about mm-hmm. the game theory learning your leagues what they do but at the end of the day you know how our audiences are. They want to know who does Mike love? Who's his guys? So who yeah. are a couple guys that what, regardless of position, you're just like, I find them on all my dynasty rosters or I target them in all my leagues. Who are yeah. you trying to go out there and get, particularly if there's anyone out undervalued, you see? Yeah, I think uh, I typically find Ryan Tannehill on basically mm-hmm. all of my rosters. I think I've, I've said it for the past two years. I think he's the most underrated quarterback yep. uh, from a fantasy perspective. Uh, that we have i mean he's had consecutive like top 10 top five points per game finishes and he's the same age as russell wilson and russell wilson goes multiple rounds ahead of him uh they're both on i mean they try to be on more run heavy offenses i'm not saying that you should take Rantan hill ahead of russell wilson <laughs> but what i'm saying is at the cost that you can get him for he's just a great quarterback one he could be your quarterback one. I've won leagues, multiple leagues with Ryan Tannehill as my quarterback one. And also he could be your quarterback two. If you have Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback two, you are miles ahead of the competition because he brings the Konami code. People don't know it because because he's white. I mean, I don't know why, but he used to play wide receiver. The dude has wheels and he can actually run. He's always ran. He's always run for touchdowns on the goal line. He's a threat there. And he's also good for rushing. So that's what you want in a quarterback. And he's still basically in his prime on a good team. Now, I imagine that, too, if you have Tannehill as your QB one, that probably means early on where yeah. everyone's going super flex, like quarterback, you've yep. probably stacked up what CMC, like maybe Jonathan Taylor in there too. Absolutely. So you're probably stacked up and getting Absolutely. a quarterback that really points per game. Isn't Absolutely. all that much different from the guys that have been going ahead of him? I like that Absolutely. strategy. A lot. That's exactly how I won one of my championships last year. You know, I went yeah. pretty heavy. I went super heavy running back. I had like Saquon Barkley. This is all, I, I mean, I won this league, and I had Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Miles Sanders. All three of them got hurt. I got Eckler too, who also got hurt. Right, and, but the reason why I won is I had like James Robinson, I had Jonathan Taylor, I had you know a bunch of other running backs, and I had Ryan Tannehill as my quarterback, and he kind of stapled the way for me. So you, if you, this is a great year to do it. And I'll tell you why. If you look at startup ADP right now, quarterbacks are flying off the board. Like yeah. in the first round, you're going to see six, seven, eight quarterbacks go off in the first round. And we don't see that much. And the reason why we're seeing it is because if you look at quarterback scoring last year, it was insane, right? If you didn't have yeah. a good quarterback, most of the time you weren't winning. If you didn't have like a Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, et cetera. But I think, you know, that was a big function of, of it being a really weird year, just a COVID year, shortened season, no, no training, no, uh, no practices in those types of environments, offenses tend to flourish. And then, afterwards defenses adjust right and you you saw it towards the tail end of last year like you know quarterback production kind of tapered off a little bit so i think people are currently 
overvaluing quarterbacks. And what that allows you to do is you're going to be able to get opportunities where you can get a team and start off with CMC and like Alvin Kamara. I've seen it or Barkley and Alvin Kamara as your two opening picks in years past. That would have been damn near impossible. You would have to sell your entire mortgage, your entire future to do that. You can do that this year and then run it back with a Ryan Tannehill in like the third, fourth round and then start pummeling back wide receivers. So, I think this is a good year. You know, I, I talk about flexibility. I talk about productive struggle, but this is a good year to balance it out and have some like win now teams because you, you don't have to sell your future to do it. That's why I think it's kind of a good year and fun year to do that. So Ryan Tannehill is, is one of those guys for me. And then Kirk Cousins is another guy who just people just hate, uh, you know, his value is never, uh, never really reflective <laughs> of what he's actually producing. So, you know, those are not, those are not popular takes, but uh, those are guys that I've loved loved and those are tried and true for me. Uh, and then in terms of maybe something more exciting on the younger side, like I, I really like Rashad Bateman, you know, people hate Rashad Bateman after landing spots. Like, Oh my God, he landed in Baltimore and Baltimore sucks. Lamar Jackson can't pass, blah, blah, blah. blah. And you know what? Historically, I think that's definitely true, right? Baltimore in game neutral scripts are one of the lowest passing volumes ever. And it's for good reason, because they're also one of the most efficient running teams ever. Do I expect that to all of a sudden revert and they become the Chiefs? Absolutely not. Right. But do I expect them to be the bottom of the barrel passing team, you know, for the next two, three years? Because we're playing Dynasty here. Remember that? Uh, No, no. And even if I don't like you can be a very good producer, even on a lower passing offense. Uh, we've seen that before with guys like Adrian Brown and, and stuff like that. Tennessee also a very low passing volume offense, as long as there's good scoring opportunity, which there will be plenty of in Baltimore Ravens and the depth chart is wide open, right? They've, they've needed an alpha wide receiver and Rashad Bateman can be that. I'm a big fan of him as a prospect. I have been, he was my wide receiver too before the draft. And he still is after the draft because I think he's that good of a player. And you know, that's one where I think it goes against the grain. Everyone's fading him because of the landing spot and i'm happily just grabbing him up in every league that i can in the late first love it and, and that's actually one i've recently had a little bit of a turn on because i was i was in similar in that pack what you were saying lowest passing offense lowest completion accuracy like all that mm-hmm. just horrible landing spot and it's i think oftentimes us fantasy answers are like looking for reasons to be down on people because it's so easy to always be like i love this guy i love that guy and that's what gets all the likes and the clicks it's it's trickier to find the guys to not like so we're mm-hmm. all, always making these narratives and the more i thought about it i actually was having a conversation with uh, Thor over from NBC Sports Edge the other day about the rookies. Mm-hmm. And we were talking how how do we judge Lamar Jackson's accuracy and all this when he hasn't had that type of had big body, like physical alpha receiver? Like how, how are we judging this guy that's still ascending and reaching his ceiling in Lamar Jackson when he hasn't had that talent? And I, I was looking at it like Greg Roman's offenses, yeah, they are so run heavy and it, it seems less than ideal. But man, he, you know, Anquan Bolden had some great years in there, like a thousand and seven plus TDs. We saw Michael Crabtree over in San Fran have two to three monster seasons in Greg Roman's still very similarly run heavy offenses. But when they had that big body alpha that's working in the middle of the field, which it sounds like Bateman truly can be, especially in your eyes, you know, that those guys can produce in this offense uh, for sure. So I've, I've taken like a 180 on him where yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm probably going to fade this guy in my leagues to like, man, I, I can't judge this offense when they haven't had something like him. Yeah. And, and I, I'm, I'm thrilled to see what he does. Yeah. Uh, the, the Lamar Jackson hate has been just been mind boggling for me because like, you know, why are we looking for reasons to dumpster a 24, 25 year old guy who's not even close to his peak? He's still ascending. 
he's been playing, you know, mostly with bums, right, on on the yeah. wide receiver core. And, you know, wide receivers matter. Like, they they contribute. So we cannot really judge a guy. And I think, you know, we learned this lesson with, with Josh Allen, right? Like, you know, everyone thought he stunk. Like, I did. I made that giant mistake. And I was like, yeah, he's going he's to nerf Stephon Diggs. And then what I, you know, what you don't realize is, like, an elite wide receiver completely changes the game. Uh, yeah. for a quarterback and we we just cannot we cannot make an assessment of lamar jackson uh as a player without giving him the weapons and i think everything baltimore has done in this offseason i know everyone wants to look at history and be like this is how they ran but every step they've made has indicated to you that they want to improve their passing game they tried to sign every big free agent they could they failed right so what do they do they traded one of the top offensive uh offensive line lineman they had to land another pick in a range to get the player they wanted and they got this player right and then you know you hear the gm come on and they say look we study the numbers we study analytics and rashad Bateman was a good prospect and then you know they're trying to they're trying to add other pieces around him right so you know everything they've done tells me that they want to pass a bit more not they're not going to be a high passing offense but even if they revert a little bit that creates a lot of opportunity and the depth chart is just wide open and here's the other thing like greg roman won't be here forever right like right. you know he's, he's either going to be really successful right and they're going to go deep and then someone's going to take him or they're going to realize like hey this offense hasn't worked we've done it for three three years and we've got bounce in the first second round every single year and he's going to be gone so when it comes to wide receivers and dynasty you got to chase the talent right more so than any other position like running backs quarterbacks you want to account for situation a little bit that's totally fair i do that definitely but for a wide receiver situation changes so quickly and at the end of the day it just comes down to whether or not you're better than the defensive back on the other side of the ball that'll determine your targets so you know at the end of the day you just want to get really good players and then the situation and stuff will kind of take care of itself hundred percent. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see if Bateman's as good as a lot of people, including you, think. And but what his tape suggests, the analytics suggest, this offense could take to, to new heights. And I mean, this is an offense that everyone's like, oh man, they suck. Like they were still top ten in scoring last year. Yeah, they weren't, mm-hmm. you know, historic number one like they were a year ago. But mm-hmm. we've seen again Lamar Jackson, who we all knew was raw coming in win MVP with, like you said, crap around him, lead the NFL in scoring with crap around him. So yeah, maybe there's a little bit of a down year, sure. But you add a weapon like Bateman, like I would not be shocked to see him and that offense get back to cheat code style you know, levels with yeah, maybe he runs a little bit less because he has Bateman. So now he's throwing more, but maybe he's in the red zone more often and just breaking off those 15 yard TD runs that yep. literally were like clockwork. I mean, I think he had I tweeted out today at nine 30 point games, I think in 2019. Yeah, like, it was a wild season. It was insane. And I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him before we move on. Like, I got this question that put me in a blender. When, if you were drafting Superflex, and you had both Josh Allen and Lamar staring you in the face, which mm-hmm. one would you be going with? Uh, so I, they're, they're very close for me. So in my dynasty ranks, I think they're literally like probably like a couple of spots apart, but uh, I have Lamar Jackson first uh, just mm-hmm. because I think this. I think this is like the second coming of Michael Vick. Like this is the most prolific runner at quarterback we've seen, and he's a better passer today than Mike Vick was at that point in his career. And we we see Lamar Jackson is a pretty damn good character as well. So we're not worried so much about like the character concerns. Like imagine like what Michael Vick could have been if he wasn't like if he didn't run into like all the all the bullshit that you know that he that he went through. 
or he put himself through to, to be clear uh, early on in his yeah. career. And I think that's what we can see with Lamar Jackson. I think this type of runner is like one of a kind. So to me, I have Lamar Jackson ahead of Josh Allen. Whereas like Josh Allen's last season was remarkable. Don't get me wrong. Like he put, he put people, made people like me look stupid who doubted him because yeah. he was an incredible player. And the way the Buffalo Bills built around him was incredible. That's the underrated aspect. That's the aspect that I did not account for is how well the Buffalo Bills built around his skill set by adding a Stephon Diggs, who was a premier deep threat, but also just one of the best route runners in the league. And doesn't need uh you know you can throw it gives you really really big throwing windows right and they added cole beasley to kind of help him in the under short and underneath and then obviously josh allen can throw off platform he's a fucking cannon so he can throw anywhere he wants so the way they built around him was incredible but that type of season is very hard to replicate where you're, where you're throwing for like goddamn near like five thousand yards and like you're throwing for like 40 50 touchdowns that is less replicable i think to me than someone like lamar jackson going out and running for 800 to a thousand yards every single season um, yeah, so that's, that's why I think I that, Jackson. it's a very fair point. It's one of those things where like, it'd be very difficult to believe last season wasn't Josh Allen ceiling. And it's not that he can't repeat that, but mm-hmm. we've probably seen peak Josh Allen. There is a chance, no matter how good Lamar was two years ago, that we still haven't seen his final form. Like, yeah, I, I, I like that. I like that argument a lot. It was a tough question to answer uh, yeah. for sure. Well, we've talked about some guys you're higher on, uh, a couple unsexy QBs, but that give you some nice flexibility in terms of loading up everywhere else, plus Rashad Bateman. Is there any guys like everybody's in on it seems, but you're just like, nah, I'm not seeing it? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll take a I'll take a different spin on this question. It's not that I'm not seeing it, but one thing that I do in Dynasty, and this is how I've basically printed money for you know three years running, is whenever a wide receiver gets into the conversation for dynasty wide receiver one overall i'm looking to pivot right so you know contrary to popular belief like when everyone says sell uh, it's not easy to sell that player because of the reason why everyone's trying to sell them because they're not very good so in dynasty for me like i'm trying to pivot off of like good assets that i think have peaked in value for other assets that i think haven't peaked and have a strong ascension so you know guys like dk metcalf right who everyone has like in, you know had consensus dynasty wide receiver one you know probably three or four weeks in the season when he was lighting it on fire or even a justin jefferson who's just incredible you know rookie production all-time producer or aj brown who a lot of people have as their wide receiver one those guys in my leagues i'm very open to trading all of them and what i'm looking for in return is another ascending wide receiver that i really like you know maybe a jamar chase right maybe a you know, I'll give you some other names, maybe like a Brandon Ayuk, right? I'm looking to get one of them plus like future rookie first, because then what happens is if I'm right about that wide receiver, now I get another rookie first that is just guaranteed value increase on top. Or even if I miss on the wide receiver, I still have the rookie pick. So it's like I lost a little bit, but it's not the end of the world because there's other stuff mm-hmm. coming. So I like to pivot off of really high end wide receivers and trade down wide receiver trading down is the number one thing that you sh- everyone should be doing, but they don't because everyone wants that dynasty wide receiver one. But when you think about it from a points per game perspective, they're not really winning you the league, right? It's really running backs and quarterbacks and tight ends. Uh, wide receiver rank very, very low in terms of their wins above replacement. So it's not that I hate those players and I have them ranked highly, but just to give your viewers like a different frame of mind, those are the players that I typically try to trade uh, off of even like Devonte Adams and Stefan Diggs, like I'm trying to trade out of those guys before they hit the value cliff, which is you know usually when they hit around 20, 28 years old, and that doesn't mean they suck after, right? Like the value, there's a value cliff and there is a production cliff. 
So the way I think about it is I try and get out of a player when they're about to hit the value cliff. And then when I'm contending, I buy back in after they hit the value cliff, but they haven't hit the production cliff. So between ages 29, so guys like Keenan Allen, I'm adding that guy on all my contending yeah. teams. Guys like Michael Thomas, I'm adding them on all my contending teams because at that point, their value, their production is going to exceed their value. So that's kind of how I think about uh, wide receivers when it comes to dynasty. That's really interesting. Uh, and I noticed that when I was looking at your rankings, again, on, on patreon.com slash rpac, it, it, I, if I'm not mistaken, you had like, 15 to 18 like quarterbacks and running backs before you had your first receiver. Yeah. And the more you talk though, it makes sense. Like you, you hear everyone, well, receivers last longer, longer shelf life. You need those guys to be your cornerstone, but it seems like more and more. I mean, Justin Jefferson last year, like they just keep re-injecting these guys. They're becoming more and more freakish on the outside where it used to be like, it takes three years for receivers to break out way long. When I first started playing mm -hmm. you know, football, it seems like it's rookie year. If you're good enough, you're going to explode as a rookie the way the NFL is passing and, and going. So maybe you turn Jamar, you know, obviously uh, Jamar, we both do that. Justin Jefferson, you're, you know, right at the top of rookie rankings right now, dynasty rankings. You, you move him right now where it's peak. Again, you don't want to get rid of this guy, but maybe that gives you an outlet to Jamar Chase plus whatever else you yielded yeah. with that, that value. It, it makes sense, especially that that wins above that replacement. You know, the, the scarcity at running back and quarterback and super flex leagues versus receiver position and the, and the way they keep replenishing talent at that position. It does seem counterintuitive because receivers do seem to be like the dynasty cornerstones, but yeah. there's just – a lot of them compared to the dynasty cornerstone running backs and quarterbacks and super yeah. flexes. So. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. You definitely want to build around wide receivers because you need them, right? Um, but it's just like when, like wide receiver one and wide receiver 10, like Devontae Adams had a magical season, obviously, right. but like <laughs> from him down, like you're not talking like really, really big differences, right? So you're not giving up point differential and you never know like who's going to finish those wide receiver one, right? Like last year, Devontae Adams, I had him as my bet finishing the wide receiver one, but the year before I didn't have Michael Thomas, right? So we're yeah. not very good at guessing who finishes number one. So anytime you can kind of trade back into like similar type of talent and get rookie picks on top, I think that's a big W uh, for any team out there. Yeah, 100%. A bunch of people just commenting in saying, you know, they're loving this. This is awesome. They're heading over to YouTube to, to continue watching and all this good stuff. So a lot of good praise coming in from Mike. A lot of interesting questions, too. I know uh, my man Steve was asking about age. Steve, we covered that right at the beginning of the pod. Uh, Mike was you know commenting on how he, he doesn't really look at anybody. What was it, like over 25, 26? You're like, that's yeah. my threshold. That's my cutoff. Yeah, yeah. Early on in drafts, like it depends on the position. But like, yeah, I really look at people that are over 25 or 26 years old uh, early on in the draft. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and everybody asking those questions, I will be more than happy. I'm going to stay on after uh, Mike hangs up, but we have a loaded show sheet. So I will get to those questions. I know Mike's more of the dynasty guru here that you're probably hoping to hear from. You want to hear his insight? Patreon.com slash RPAC. He is always interacting with his guys over in there. Uh, so I do want to make sure we run through this show sheet, though, uh, and respect Mike's time here. So in terms of rookie-only drafts this year, mm -hmm. uh, like what is your general approach? I know you've already mentioned Rashad Bateman is mm -hmm. one of your targets. You're, you're yeah. landing him a lot. Do you have a general outside, like other targets or other approach to this year? Or what, what are you looking at for 2021? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it really depends. Like, cause like your rookie draft picks, it, like, kind of determines what your strategy is. But typically, you know, you I like to go for the value positions early, so quarterbacks and running backs, uh, because I like to swing for wide receivers later, especially if you miss on Jamar Chase, because you know Jamar Chase is in a class of his own. So if you miss on him, then you know you're getting 
you're getting a big bucket of other guys and everyone has that tier two to three valued very differently. So you'll see a lot of value tumble down to you. But, you know, one thing that I, that I do, and I, 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 I stick by this is I try and avoid uh, reaching for running backs later. So if I'm going to get a running back, I'll get a Najee Harris. I'll get a Travis Etienne. Uh, I'll get a Javante Williams and I'm fine reaching a little bit early on, you know, in the, in the top or, or mid of your midpoint of your first to get a couple of those guys. Uh, because what I don't want to do is spend a first round pick on a Michael Carter, spend a first round mm -hmm. pick on a Trey Sermon, right? Spend a first round pick on these guys that, you know, Trey Sermon is a little bit better because at least he has day two draft capital. Michael Carter, I've seen going to the first round and you, there's, there's no world you should be taking a fourth round running back in the first round of your rookie drafts. I don't care how good you think that talent is because it just, it's just, you're just playing against the odds. You're stacking the deck against yourself. And it's not a, it's not a viable strategy because what you're doing is you're passing on wide receivers with pretty good profiles that have like second round draft capital, first round draft capital in the case of Rashad Bateman. So typically, like I said, you focus on running back and wide receiver early. And then in the back part of the first, uh, early part of the second, I'm just like smashing wide receivers. So I got a lot of Elijah Moore. I have a lot of Rondell Moore. I have a lot of Rashad Bateman. Like every time Rashad Bateman is in the late part of the first or, or like 2.01, I have a pick there. It's just not a pick because I think that's just yeah. his profile. His draft capital just makes a ton of sense. Like that's those are the guys in prior years. If you think about it, when people were drafting Keyshawn Vaughn, I was drafting T Higgins. I love T Higgins, right? And people were drafting, you know, Devin Singletary, right? You could be getting guys like DK Metcalf and AJ, AJ Brown. You're getting much better profiles and bang for your buck at wide receiver there, in my opinion. Uh, if you know the analytics and if you know how to identify the better prospects and how to fade the really bad profiles, you're going to probably cash out more often on those uh, than you will on like a Michael Carter or a Trey Sermon, because more likely than not, you know, Michael Carter. I mean, I, I, I like the player before going in, but like, you know, more likely than not, you're not going to get much of a return there within the next year or so. Really interesting. Yeah. And that's, I think another moment of like redraft versus dynasty. Like I, I like a lot about Trey Sermon and Michael Carter when it's like a one year, let's see what happens. Cause they both fall into these zone blocking schemes, the mm -hmm. one cut backs that like fit it really well. And, and maybe they do blow up, but there is like a very big chance that given the draft capital, given like the, the low hit rates of that, if it's a redraft, like whatever, I, I go in round six or seven and they, they don't hit, they don't hit, like whatever. Mm -hmm. It doesn't kill me. But if you pass up on a Bateman who becomes a DK Metcalf, who becomes an AJ Brown, and you went for the the in the scarcity of running back, it seems like everybody wants to sprint and get that guy. It makes sense, like kind of. But when the hit rate's that low and we're seeing all these receivers hit over and over again, like that can really set you back for yeah. years, you know, trying to chase for that next great blow up one. And then you look at like a guy like way back in the day, Alfred Morris did have maybe a blow up rookie year under Shanahan, but he was useless within two years. Like, yeah. it, it, and so even if Trey Sermon blows up, even if Carter has a huge rookie year, it, it's not a great track record compared to what you might be passing up on with some of those wide receivers. You mentioned the higher draft capital, even if they take a little bit longer to blossom. I think yeah. that's one thing I'm going to have to shift my redraft kind of centric mind right now. And it'd be like, no, Trey Sermon, like, as good as you might think he might be in year one, think about Kyle Shanahan, how many times you've seen a blow up that only lasted half a year at most. Like, it, yeah. You know, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you, try, you try and like, I mean, the way you think about it is we're not very good at figuring out who's good, right? At yeah. least from an analyst perspective, but we are pretty good at showing you who's probably not going to be very good. 
So yeah, like the majority of my process is just built around finding out which guys are most likely to bust and then removing those guys uh, kind of like from my board. So that's how I think about it, especially at wide receiver position. Like, you know, we can't tell you like this guy's going to be a stud for sure. Jamar Chase might be the exception. But what we can tell you is like, man, like this guy probably not going to hit like Van Jefferson, one of the worst prospects I've ever seen. Right. And I had yeah. zero Van Jefferson. I didn't care if it was the fourth round. I did not draft Van Jefferson. Um, yeah. But, you know, film guys are like, oh, we love him. He's a route god and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But like, you know, when you when you bring in the numbers, it really kind of helps you narrow the scope and tries to allows you to focus on the guys that can be really good and that's how you get to guys like Rashad Bateman and, and Elijah Moore and, and the guys of that sort love it um and you kind of already talked about this like Debbie included rankings um so we can probably move on you talked about the importance of them being you know you can see <clears throat> down the line what classes might be the most valuable what players you should be like keeping on the the back burner throughout your drafts and potentially even taxi squads if you're in like an actual Debbie league. Mm -hmm. uh, so I know we've already covered kind of like why it's important to have those rankings and, and you being one of the very few people, if maybe one of the only people that makes rankings that includes those, uh, which is, which is awesome. Is there any player though, specifically or any reason other than like what you already covered, why they're important and also anyone you're really eyeing long-term, like I can't wait for this class because this player is coming out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you why it's important, and this goes directly with my productive struggle strategy. Like, I'm targeting and scooping up 2023 first as many of them as possible because 2022 class has a couple studs at wide receiver, a couple studs here and there, but it's more or less going to be very much similar to 2021, barring some like Joe Burrow type of immersion, right? And we have one of those every year, so it's not going to change the class. But 2023 is going to be very similar to 2020 and when you look at the running back class because there's just a ton of talent there and you know contrary to uh pff who launched their college rankings which i don't understand how they how they even got to this ranking there i mean they're honestly frankly really really bad it means someone that didn't really watch college but if you actually watch college the names you want to look out for is like a bijan robinson he plays for texas and this dude is an absolute so I cannot wait. I already have him on one of my Debbie squads. I, I drafted him last year before he uh, before he even stepped on the field. But now that he stepped on the field, we're kind of getting a glimpse into what he is. And he is a workhorse. This guy is a 215, 220-pound as a freshman who's catching passes, running all, all over the defense. Uh, you got Tank Bigsby right in that class. You got uh, Jameer, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, I always butcher his name. Um, and then you got like Kendall Milton. You got uh, Zach Evans. You got just a ton of talent at running back. And those are the classes that you want to gobble up a lot of the rookie picks. As you know, we've already said people value running backs, right? So once you gobble up those picks, you don't have to use all those picks. That that's the thing. Like people always quote about rookies busting at 50% rate. That's fine and dandy. But like when I dominate a rookie class draft and I have like five to six rookie first, I probably end up using one or two of them. I use the rest and I'll trade out into veterans during peak rookie season to fill up my team. So that's kind of how I approach it. So those are really, really good, uh, you know, running backs I'm looking forward to. If you guys want to talk about something more recent in 2022, you know, Brees Hall, one of the top running backs coming out of there. Uh, and then this really, it's some really, really good wide receivers. So they got Traylon Burks, who's like a massive towering, like 220 pound alpha. You got Garrett Wilson who's one of my favorite, uh, Devi wide receivers plays for Ohio state coming out next year as well. Uh, and then David bell as well. Who's one of the top wide receivers you play. Actually, he actually played on the same team as Rondell Moore, uh, but he's more like alpha, like big size. Um, so there's a lot of really, really exciting talent coming in for 2023 specifically. 
but also 2022. So that's why you got to play Devi because if you don't play Devi, you don't know these names. You don't watch college. You don't know these names. So it's important to keep track of these guys so you know which rookie picks you want to get ahead of the curve on. Absolutely. And, and to me, that sounds a lot like the 2020 running back class, the 2023 one you're alluding to and kind of how you capitalized on that. I, yeah. I remember one of these squads you were showing me, it was like, didn't you have like five of like the, the first round rookie running backs or something crazy like that? Mm-hmm. Is like, you're like, I had Swift Gibson, like Gibson yeah. was running back five Taylor Hilaire. Like it was insane. Yeah. Yeah, I just traded back and like went all in on that class and uh, got the running backs. I, I had every single 2020 running back except for DeAndre Swift because someone like sniped him for me. He's like, yeah, I don't want Mike to have all the running backs. Uh, <laughs> so so he did that. Um, that's a league I play with some folks from the baller. So really nice people there. Um, and then, yeah, I went. I did I did a lot of productive struggles in 2019 so that I could soak up all of the picks for 2020. And then in one year, I like flipped that team around. So that team went from like last place to like, championship team or last place or like second place because i got I, I ran like really bad in the championship but when you go all in on a class like that that's how you do like the quick turnarounds where you go from like bottom tier to like instant like top contender so that's what i like to do um it's it's not you know not everyone's strategy but you know i, I perfectly fine punting a year or two so i can you know to build these teams that i truly believe i look at my teams i'm like i don't see how i can lose with this team which means I will most definitely lose with them. But in the moment, I'm like, I don't know how I can lose with some of these teams that I have. Absolutely. And you, the a lot of what I have covered on the, the rest of these questions, we've already hit upon throughout mm-hmm. like all, all this because you've just been given such fantastic in-depth answers and all your mindsets. So it's been great. There's only a couple more I want to hit at. And this one, I, we actually were just kind of essentially talking about, just, but just to make sure we reiterate, because there are a lot of those people that play Dynasty or get stuck with a, a crap orphan or have a horrible first startup, and they're like, shit, I'm screwed. But you've already talked about how you've taken some like pretty bad teams, embraced the productive struggle, and now you've got these monsters that I still just look at. I'm like, oh my good Lord. Like, how does he have that team? So can you just kind of summarize one more time for everybody? What, what do you mean by productive struggle and like – how does that play out? Yeah, productive struggle or rebuild. It's just like one where you're kind of intentionally losing. And by intentionally losing, I don't mean like be sleazy and bench your studs. What I mean is like you're trading a lot of your top players away and getting draft picks in return. So by by matter of those trades, your teams aren't scoring as much. So you're you're productively struggling because you're building towards the future. You're not just like losing for the sake of losing, right? That's where that term comes from. Um, and you know, what I do in a lot of those teams is I try and keep as many points off my team as possible. I basically completely disregard starting roster requirements. I'll pick up like guys off waivers to fill it if I need to, but I'm only focused on value. So I'm just trying to build as much value as I can, accumulate as much value as I can. And the easiest way to do that is to acquire future rookie picks. And then, you know, when the rookie draft comes, I will pick some of those rookies that I really like, but a lot of the times I will trade out into veterans and future picks. And what that allows you to do is you don't want to be in the middle, right? Being in the middle in dynasty is probably the worst place you can be. You hear it all the time. You either want to be number one or you want to be last place. Cause if you're last place, you get the best rookie picks and that's how you turn your teams around. So it, the productive struggle is really pushing you to the bottom so that you can gather the picks and gather the value over time to then flip it around and immediately go from bottom to top versus like slowly trying to climb your way up, which is probably impossible. Absolutely. Makes complete sense. And and some of the teams, again, you've shown that have embraced that. If you haven't checked it out already, go to bunk bed breakdowns. Uh, Mike has an awesome one titled like how I got the best wide receiver dynasty team of all time. And it truly is like breathtaking. Some of these teams, uh, it, it goes to show it's hard for me to picture that 
like just tanking, not, I don't want to say tanking, but tanking in a, in a way mm-hmm. to get up there. It's like so hard for me pride wise, but then I see these teams. I'm like, all right, I gotta, I, I, it, you're helping me like reframe how I think about fantasy a lot when I approach uh, dynasty. So the last couple here that I just want to quickly hit with you, um, you've mentioned a lot of what you do is trading and mm-hmm. that's how you've like really built these juggernauts, whether it's through acquiring rookie picks and then flipping them yeah. or, you know, capitalizing. But wh- how do you approach trading? What are some of like the best strategies you would say for dynasty trading? Yeah. So uh, I, I say this all the time, but like, I really f- believe this. Like, I feel like redraft leagues, y- they're won and lost in the draft. Like, sure, you might get that miracle, like waiver wire pickup. And, you know, we hear those stories all the time. But more or less, if you fuck up your draft in the first two to three rounds, it's over for you in redraft right it's over like if it, cmc goes down you're done like i had, I had a redraft league i drafted barkley and george kittle last year they went down it's over it doesn't matter what i did i wasn't gonna win right so but in dynasty you can you can mess up and you push go down to injury but you can you really win through trading i am a volume trader like i am trading i'm always the most active in my leagues and in startups like give you a sense like one of my startup drafts i think there were like 15 trades total 12 of them were me Right. So and it's like, you know, people always do this and they'll go in the chat. They'll be like, hey, if you're interested in this pick, like send me an offer. Like what you don't realize is everyone's lazy. Everyone's also like you. They don't want to go out and put in the effort. So what I'm doing is like when I'm on the clock, I'm not going in the chat and saying, hey, send me offers. I'll do that. But then I will literally go and send offers to five or six people. And you might miss on 80% of them. You probably will miss on 80% of them. But when you hit on one of them and someone says, hey, I'm interested, but that's that's a little bit too much for me. You can get into a conversation. You know, Dynasty is about building long-term trade partners. You're not trying to fleece people because if you constantly fleece people, they will not trade with you anymore, right? So the key to Dynasty is making trades that are fair at the moment, but you think are going to be a landslide down the line. So to give you an example of that, you know, at the beginning of last year, uh, was it beginning of last year? Maybe the year before that, like, you know, before DJ Moore truly like broke out, I was a big fan of DJ Moore and Chris Carson was like a workhorse running back. Right. Mm-hmm. So I gave like Chris Carson and Marlon Mack who also at the time, you know, was coming off a big season for DJ Moore and like a second round pick, second round rookie pick. Right. And at the time it's like, damn, you're crazy. Why are you doing that? Cause like Chris Carson's a stud, you know, Marlon yeah. Mack's a stud. And then a year and then like a year later, it's like trying to get that trade back. You, people will laugh at you. Right. So right. it's about making fair trades in the moment that you think will pay off down the line. And that's really how I think about trading is like, I'll construct trades that are fair on trade calculators that are fair based on ADP that are fair based on the now, because what I want is I want that ascending player. So usually I'm trying to give away players that are fair, but I think will be declining. So older players for younger players that are, you know, equal value right now, but a year or two down the line, one's going up, one's going down. So obviously value will diverge. So that's kind of how I think about it. And again, you have to really understand your league mates tendencies. Um, like, you know, take the time that you would have spent watching film on, you know, Najee Harris and take that and try and, engage with your league mates and try and understand what their thought processes are what do they use what trade calculators do they use what pods do they listen to uh understanding your league mates and understanding what players are value is really going to be helpful and don't just send trades to like people for players you want try and take a look at their team first and be like hey can i help this person all right do they need wide receiver do they need running back if you go to a team and you need wide receivers and they have all they have are you know running backs and they also need wide receivers it probably doesn't make sense for you to trade. Right. So try and make trades that make sense for both parties because, you know, truly the best trades 
are the ones where like if you're about to hit send and you're sweating a little bit that's how you know you're about to put out a fair trade offer and that that's usually the litmus test for me it's like if i'm sending an offer i'm like yeah this is a smash chances are they probably also think it's a smash you're gonna get denied so you know yeah. don't try don't try and like constantly try and fleece people you know start engaging those conversations and don't be that guy that just lowballs people i have people in my leagues that just like lowball all the time and i'll tell you what happens and how i treat them is i just stop engaging like i'm like hey i have yep. way other uh, many other things where i can spend my time where i don't need to waste my time with you so you're going to lose trade partners by doing that in dynasty and that's not what you want to do because if you don't trade you will not win a hundred percent. I think that's even, there's people in like my, my hometown leagues and everything like redraft wise that they sent me a trade offer. So insulting, like 10 years ago, I mm-hmm. still won't ever even talk to them. <laughs> so I can only imagine like in dynasty where it's yeah. that much more crucial to be pulling off trades. You yeah. don't want to be that douchebag. That's like trying to fleece everybody, at least on the complete surface. The yeah. way there's somebody that trade you just explained, you fleece that guy, but it was because you had better foresight with it. And I yeah. love that idea of like looking at what looks fair in, a calculator, but in your own mind, if you're smart enough and playing that longer game, or mm-hmm. you got these guys you really believe in, it, it can really pan off. And that's why, again, a resource like getting direct access to Mike can be so helpful. A trade calculator is not going to tell you these things, but when you get the a Discord or an ability to connect with somebody like that, it makes yeah. all the difference uh, in these types of things. So that's why yeah. I'm, I'm so excited to be part of that. On the flip uh, side, just on the flip side of that, like, you yeah. know. If someone sends you an insulting offer, and I used to do this when I was first uh, when I first started, and I was just a rookie, right? They send me an insulting offer, I'm like, dude, like this is this is like this is stupid. Why are you sending me this? Don't do that either, because sometimes they might not know. I mean, it could be a guy who yeah. thinks that's a fair offer for them, but they just don't know. But you don't want <laughs> right. to burn that bridge by making them feel stupid. You just say, like, look, thanks, man. I think we're just very far apart on value. And I'll tell you, I have many trades that have evolved from stuff like that. And I, yeah. the old me, would have been like, you're stupid, forget <laughs> you, like, but. You know, as I've evolved a little bit more as a dynasty player, I just like, hey, like, I think we're off on value here. This is why I think that. And sometimes I'll be like, okay, whatever. Like, I don't care. But other times you'll get someone like, oh, like, look, I didn't think about it that way. What about this? And then you'll find another trade avenue. Now, the ones that I ignore are the ones that constantly do it. And and you know, they're, they're that guy. So I ignore those people. But, you know, if, if you're just your first time playing with a bunch of new dynasty players, don't be like offended like by by trades. Just you know, just try and engage in conversation with them. And you know, sometimes it might just be low ballers for sure, right? But other times you'll find that you'll build like a nice trade bridge from someone because you chose to engage with them positively versus like calling them stupid. You're speaking like directly to my soul right now because that's exactly <laughs> like how I would react. Like, screw you, don't want to talk to you again. But in Dynasty, you can't be like that. Yeah. Or else it, it's gonna, you know, unless you realize the person is truly a serial, just yeah. low baller. It's at least worth trying to repair or like see what's the, the mindset. Yeah. I, I gotta try to embrace that because I am pretty quick to just be like, screw you. <laughs> like, no, I'm done with you. So yeah, that's that's something I will definitely embrace. Well, the, the last ones here, just a, a quick one about who are some other accounts? Like, like I said, you're, you're genuinely like one of, if not my favorite account to follow for Dynasty. Who are some others that either I might not know or, or our listeners might not know uh, and other resources you might use uh, throughout uh, Dynasty accounts? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you right now, like I'm not a film guy, right? Even though it says Pro Scout on my Twitter, I'm, I'm just trolling people. Uh, but like when it comes to film, I don't understand that as well. So I try and reach out to other people and surround myself with people that do understand it that are better than me. So Ray GQ, 
you know, I'm sure you guys know him. He's, he's blown up. He's, you know, now part owner of FTN. So he might not even be able to remember us little guys soon, but (laughs) you know, you know, I was one of the, I was like a follower Ray back when he had like a couple hundred people when he first started his podcast. And, you know, now we've become friends. I think he's one of the best in the Debbie space. I learned a lot from him, just learning about college, uh, the college game from him, um, and from the film side and, the thing with Ray is like, he's also open to the numbers and that's great when you get a film guy yeah. that's, that's open to talk both ways. Right. And then, you know, DFB encounter, uh, Drew Ozenchuk, another, you know, good friend of mine. He's very analytically approached. We think about the game very similarly, although also very differently, which is super interesting. And, you know, he has a Patreon as well, bulletproof. Uh, so he has a really cool process that he walks people through of how to identify prospects and how to, how to fade the bus. And then Angelo fantasy uh, Angelo FF, I believe um, he created his own site and he, he, he breaks down film, you know, in a very concise and easy to digest manner with like examples and cut up. So I learned a lot of my film uh, through watching Angelo. So those are three guys that I love. And then also Jetpack Galileo over at uh, Fantasy Astronauts at FF Astronauts. You know, he's a he's a very film centric guy that also understands the numbers. But I really respect his process because he puts his grades out for the public. Right. And that's a scary thing to do because, yeah. you know, I bet you most of these film grinders on Twitter, they all suck. If you put out their film grades, they, they, you tested it, it would be awful. Right. But Jetpack Galileo was one of the first that I saw do that and also have proven success. So another guy that I go to. And then lastly, you know, not just for Dynasty, but also for film, like real life film analysis, Jay Moyer, who also joined up with FF Astronauts. He's one of the guys that I think breaks down running back film the best that I've ever, I've ever seen on Twitter for for the for the common man you know he he has like the way he cuts his film he shows you like the arrows he shows you the gaps he shows you like where the running back should go so i learned a lot of my running back film watching from jay so at jay moyer fb i think it is um but you look up jay moyer he's, he's on there he's, he's a big guy he's a, it down right now yeah, yeah yeah so those are a lot of my go-tos um and then maybe some smaller uh known guys you know at cooper cooper ff uh he's an he's a great analytics based guy uh that that's coming up in the in the industry um and then also matt spencer uh on twitter i'm a big fan of him you know we're constantly in dms where he's like he's like that brainiac where he's like so freaking smart and i try and like dumb his stuff down so that regular people like me can actually understand (laughs) it so we'll talk back and forth we'll be like hey how does this look i'm like yo like, like I, I can barely understand that. And like, I'm struggling to understand it. And like, I'm like pulling from my stats course. So I'm telling you right now that the average Twitter player, Twitter goer probably won't understand it. So you need to like, you know, dumb it down a little bit so that the common man can go. But he's one of the smartest guys for sure uh, that I've seen. And then if you're looking for databases, you know, Peter, How- Peter Howdy, one of the yeah. OGs, you know, free database out there for, for wide receiver analytics, if you want to get started in that. So, so many, so many great resources, so many smart people out there that, you know, I draw from, uh, you know, like I said, like, I'm not, I'm not a film guy I'm not even an analytics guy. I'm just a guy that that's good at aggregating data and predicting trends. That's really all I am at the end of the day. If all these guys cease to exist, I would probably be not very good at all. So uh, awesome, man. Yeah. Awesome. Much appreciated. I, I think I follow almost all of them, but I definitely jotted down mm-hmm. a handful to make sure I add to the repertoire. So much appreciated there. And the last one I want to pump there is I know you've recently gotten uh, involved with the Big Dog Got to Eat brand. Uh, you're, you're involved in their draft guide this year. So I just wanted to ask, you know, when, how, why did you get involved with these guys? What are you guys doing? And what's this draft guide entail here? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been with them for a while now, actually. I, oh, okay. I, left, I left DLF like probably beginning of last year. And Nick, oh, nice. the founder of BDG, uh, I've known him since like he started on YouTube with like, I don't know, 
400 followers, something like that. Um, and, you know, we've actually met live in person. We've done live drafts together. I've flown out to New York. We've partied together. So we're actually friends. Nice. Uh, and so when he was looking for someone to do like dynasty content for him uh, on the video side, like I joined up with them. So that's how I started. We started the bunk bed breakdowns channel and it's all falls under BDG. And I, I helped write the draft guide last year as well. So this is my second year doing it now. Uh, BDG.store. But basically, you know, the draft guide, there's a couple of different components. If you want to do redraft, Nick takes care of that. So he's been doing redraft forever. Uh, so I, I don't touch redraft at all. That's all him. But for the dynasty portion, we have like 50 plus rookie profiles that goes through like their prospect profile, the numbers, the film, everything. And then like gives you our view of, you know, what their value is, where you can take them. And then I think the more exciting stuff is it's kind of like a live guide. So we're constantly updating uh, the profiles. We're updating uh, with articles that we're writing. So I'll be writing an article about like the top five wide receivers of 2022, right? For example. And then the other big thing is I usually write something it's called the Bible. Uh, and that's like my strategy. So it's a literally a blueprint that like outlays how I attack startup drafts. And I, I wrote that last year for them and that got a lot of traction. People seem to like that. So I'm going to like update that a little bit based on the trends that I see this year. Um, but more or less, it'll, it'll follow the same like print guiding principles with just some tailoring. So that's what the draft guide is. Um, so, you know, we're always working on that and grinding away in the background to get that out to folks. Awesome, man. Well, Mike, this was an absolute pleasure. Uh, I, as I said, I'm brand new to dynasty and like instantly in only an hour here, I feel like I am just like significantly, we're going to have our Roto street draft. I think either next week or the week after. And like a lot, what was so helpful about this is you identified like a lot of the like emotional reactions or the thought processes that like your typical redrafter might have and help me just be like, at least watch for these. So mm -hmm. I, I've like jotted down a bunch of things like this behavior, this, that, like make sure you're curbing that. And, and in addition to obviously all the player rankings, everything. And again, you can find all of Mike's stuff at patreon.com slash our pack or the big, uh, big dogs got to eat draft guide bdge dot store you can find all that there and mike do you want to just remind our listeners where they can connect with you personally yeah yeah you can find me at mike me up with two p's on twitter uh all my video content is uh bunk bed breakdowns on youtube all part of the bdg family and then lastly like i said just hop on the patreon uh patreon.com slash our pack we have about 260 270 people now in there and you know people are building tools they're building adp tools and you know you can get any question you want answered anything you want dynasty so you know when you're in your draft man you have questions uh now that you're in there just ping me ping people post in the draft channel post in the trade channel you're going to get a million people come and tell you you know their views and then help you make that decision so that's the best part about it, i think is the community feel so if you guys want to get involved i mean just hop on over there awesome man well thanks again so much for your time for your insight uh, and, and best of luck in all your leagues this year man thanks man you too cheers we used to have it all but now's our curtain call so hold for the applause oh, 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 oh. and wave out to the Football right there, folks.